The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bengals fans are amazing. They're resilient, they're tough, but they're fun. And I'm I'm really excited to hopefully meet a lot, a lot more of you. Isaac has the big game. Then we became a real balanced offense for the playoff run, which I thought was really important. He put on the greatest route running exhibition I have ever seen in my life. He was he was football 24-7, and that was the greatest part of, of Chad. Times at times uh, early. Part, I would tell him when we were throwing deep passes, I said, don't wait too long, you know, because I'm going to get away. If you ain't going to have the arm to get there. So, you know, I want to run to the ball, you know. Well, it looks like Duke's in the waiting room. I don't want to keep Duke waiting. He gave us a very limited amount of time. I know he's a busy, busy man. Duke, what's going on, big dog? Hey, nobody. Jim, how are you, man? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, hey. I'm real busy. I'm sitting on my porch. Yeah, well, hey. <laughs> Have a little drink going on there. You know, Joe Burrow has played in big games his entire life, and I would think he will be a steady hand at the at the, at the bow of the ship. And uh, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they take him all the way to the Super Bowl. I really wouldn't. Do it. Live from the Betfred Studios in Greater Cincinnati, it's Bengal Jim and Friends brought to you by Gold Star Chili. And without further ado, here's Jimmy. Hey, what's going on? Hey, thanks everybody for tuning in tonight. Uh, big episode again tonight. We've got uh, uh, former uh, Cincinnati Bengal uh, SWAT team member, Cincinnati football legend Solomon Wilcox on with us talking all things Bengals here. Uh, then after that, we've got uh, Scott Burson and Sam Smathers uh, from the author and co-author of the book, uh, from Bulldog to Bengals. And guys, we've got some, we're going to break down some Joe Burrow game film from when he was like in a fourth grade. So just wait, you're going to see some great videos and great pictures of Burrow. But man, I tell you what, man, we we got a lot of stuff to talk about, uh, Tom, with Solly. We do. So let's go Perfect ahead. And we'll, we'll, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's. I mean, what, what I'm very, I, he's in the waiting room. I know he can hear us, but I'll pop him on here in a 
a minute. But what's crazy to me, man, all these former Bengal players, man, that that have made it big time after their career, uh, football career in the media. And, and and I remember Solomon doing games years ago. This guy has taken his game to another level and all the things he's doing. So let's bring on uh, Cincinnati football legend Solomon Wilcox. Solomon, what's going on, big dog? Bingo, Jim, Tom, hey, great to be on with you. After watching that um, charismatic grand opening, um, I'm just proud to be part of the lineup. <laughs> yeah, come on, man, come on. You're, you're legend, man, you're legend. Hey, real quick, as we before we get started, uh, Solly, everybody that's watching right now, we're going to get to as many viewer questions as we can, whether you're watching on Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, uh, pop them in there, and we will try to get to as many of those questions as we can for Solly. But uh, Let's get it going, man. we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Tom, go ahead and kick it off, buddy. Yeah, Solomon, first, I, I want to thank you, uh, you know, Monday through Friday, Channel 88, NFL Radio, for either finishing my drive to work or helping me settle in at my desk, you and your partner of the day. So uh, good way. Football is always the best way to start the day off. In one of your topics Friday, and if you, you want to listen to uh, Channel 88, NFL Radio, Solomon does – Remarkably enough, give the best Bengals coverage. But I really like, you know, we've been hearing as we talk to Bengal fans back and forth this past week, Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah. No, yes, he's not what he was. He can't help the offense. He, you know, as a runner, he's the same as Joe Mixon. We're wasting money. Give that money, to Joe Burrow. But you made a really good case. And I think you even used the term, it's a perfect marriage. Can you tell our viewers about that? Yeah, I mean, we all know um, Ezekiel Elliott was a phenomenal star at The Ohio State University. And, you know, he's familiar with the environment, obviously. And there are many people who are Bengals fans who are also Buckeye fans who rooted for him during his college days. And the guy's been a great pro. You really think about his production. He's not the thousand-yard rusher he once was. Um, but he's still, I think, in terms of his yards per carry, that average is still significant enough. He catches the ball well enough coming out of the backfield, but arguably one of the best um, pass-blocking running backs in the history of the National Football League. This guy's graded out tremendously high as a pass-blocker. He can stonewall any blitzing linebacker. They can't knock him back. Um, he can't be moved off his, off his point. And at the end of the day, the entire Bengals offense has to be predicated on protecting number nine, protecting Joe Burrow. And so when we can have a running back like that, it's enough that we lost some IJP Ryan, who was really good in that category, as well as many other things. But um, to say that we can bring a guy in uh, that's going to be better than P Ryan was, at least in that area, in terms of pass protecting for Joe Burrow, that's what Ezekiel Elliott brings to the table. You know, with that, nothing matters that this franchise does. If Joe Burrow is not protected exactly. for his for his first three years in the league, I can't begin to imagine what he could do with this offense with adequate time and playing relaxed. Now, I mean, he's not nothing personal. He's not David Klingler who would take the ball, take three steps back and you could tell him where are they coming? He's not like that, but if he had time, it would be remarkable. Jonah Williams gave up more sacks than any other tackle in the league last year. I understand, you know, you want to get paid, and I understand that left tackle is still viewed as the premier spot, although our good friend Willie Anderson might be trying to dial in right now to throw a fit. <laughs> if if you were Jonah Williams, either position coach or his agent or his head coach or his quarterback, what would you be telling him right now? Relax, let this play out. 
go to camp, you can still make millions as a right tackle, win a Super Bowl, or you want your left tackle, get out of there. I, I think for every player and every player wants to be paid. And and the, the problem is a lot of players think, okay, I'm worth X. The market says you're worth Y. Sometimes that lines up for players and, and they're, they're hitting the sweet spot. And sometimes player might either underestimate, most of the time overestimate their contribution. I think you just nailed it. When you give up an inordinary high volume of sacks, particularly as a left tackle uh, for a right-handed quarterback. And a quarterback like Joe Burrow, where everyone, the national audience and here locally, we know that this team would be even more elevated if Joe Burrow was well-protected. We might even have a Super Bowl trophy right now. I, that's not hyperbole, right? All we have to do is go back and look at the last play of the Super Bowl to say, oh, there it is. We have visual evidence to that statement. And so I'm not putting it all on Jonah Williams, but there's no doubt he can be better. This team believed in him enough to pick up his fifth-year option, which will pay him a, a guaranteed portion of about, what, $12 million this season. Now, maybe he's going to be playing right tackle, doesn't want to play left. But remember, he didn't play his first season as a rookie mm -hmm. all, all i'm saying is here is that i think at some point he's got to determine if he's going to put the work in to improve and get better and being on a winning team like what the Bengals are this is the golden age if you're if you're a cincinnati Bengals fan or if you're a cincinnati Bengals player you're associated with this organization what joe burrow has brought to this this is the golden age of being a Cincinnati Bengals fan, player, participant within the organization. Back-to-back -back AFC title games, a team that's expected to do great things. All the national audience is watching this team. So your stock, just like a Jesse Bates, right, is just going to continue to go up if you keep playing and playing well. And so I would just say, hey, calm down. Let's get better. Let's focus on getting the work done, and the rest will come. Uh, that's what I believe. And I said the same thing when Jesse Bates was in a different situation when they put the franchise tag on him a year ago. I said, it turns out the $10 million that he was guaranteed last year would turn out to be the floor for what he could expect moving forward. Now he's getting $16 million a year, not 10. So that that's what winning does. And and I, I always said Joe Burrow is the force multiplier, right? He, he he's gonna He's going to improve a lot of careers, trust me. Yeah, he, he literally just made two tight ends the past two years pretty damn rich because of Joe Burrow's play. So that's right. <laughs> so that's right. so Sally, let, let's talk about let's talk about I mean, look, man, you've been playing, you played with the Bengals in, in the 80, late 80s, 90s. Let's talk about this organization the past three years in free agency specifically. I mean, was it three years ago, DJ Reader and all these guys are signing, they're, they're spending big money uh in free agency now, man. And you know, Orlando Brown came out of nowhere. These the organization seems to know now's their time. And that that's the force multiplier, the things that we talk about that, you know, Joe Burrow, there's an indirect impact. Uh, and there's this whole economic impact that we could talk about even further, just in terms of the city and what it means for us when you're having more nationally televised game. What does that mean when you have more eyeballs on you as a as a as a city like Cincinnati? Um, which is a smaller market, right, than, say, the Dallas's, the Los Angeles Rams or the New York Giants, things of that nature. But there's a huge economic impact 
And listen, I, I think the Bengals, Mike Brown, Katie and Troy, I, look, they get it. They understand that they have this once-in-a-lifetime player that is going to be 100% committed to win. How can you not be as an organization 100% committed? Um, and I think Mike Brown said that uh, when he was at the park downtown over and over the Rhine after we lost in the Super Bowl to the Rams, he said, look, we recognize what we have in this play, and we're going to give everything that we have. And I remember calling all, all of my former teammates, did you hear what he just said? <laughs> I mean, we were we never heard those words during our tenure, <laughs> okay? And But we're, we're so elated and so invigorated uh, by this group of players at this period of time in Bengals history I, I just think it's an exciting time to be a Cincinnati Bengals fan. And I think for even Mike Brown, right, who's, um, let's face it, he's on the back nine of, of his tenure of running this team. Don't you think he wants to enjoy uh, these golden years, right, as an owner? I, I would think so. I've spent many of times in his office talking with him. I know he wants the best for the city, wants the best for the team, wants the best for the fans. Katie and Troy, I know that they feel the same way. And they, now they have this once-in-a-lifetime player to build around. You saw them spend money each over the last three years. Last year they spent over 70 to $100 million, already close to $100 million this year in free agency. Um, and that tells you about the commitment they have to putting a winner on the field. This is truly a special time to be a Bengals fan. Absolutely. Absolutely, Sally. I, I'm with you on that. So, Tom, go ahead and fire another one. I'm going to go to some viewer questions yeah, after just that. Just going to build on that a little bit. You know, Sally, I know you came here in 1987, and I've lived here my whole life. There is nothing, no business accomplishment, no political accomplishment, no, you know, whatever we're, we're doing, Summerfest, anything else. Nothing brings this city together and puts it in a better mood for everybody than when the Bengals are winning and winning big. When you guys went to the Super Bowl in 88, when the team went in 81, and like you said, these last several golden years that I think is going to continue. I think I firmly believe that management has their eye on a, a football generation of winning like the Steelers have had, like the Patriots have had, you know, with with Joe Burrow under under center and making those steps to make it happen. We talked a little bit about the offense, flipping to the defense, looking at what you see. What's what's missing other than maybe some health in certain areas and certainly experience at the safety position? You think they're dialed up for a Super Bowl run on the defensive side? Yeah, look, we I think we've got a formidable pass rush. You love what Sam Helbert and, and Trey Hendrickson and BJ Hill and DJ Reader and guys on the interior. I mean, they're this is a great group. And and bringing back Jermaine Pratt, I thought was very fundamental and very key to us continue to play at a high level in terms of what Lou Anaromo has been able to build on the defensive side of the ball. Now we're going into this season um, having to replace three of our four starters in the secondary. And I think arguably the best safety tandem and Vaughn Bale and Jesse Bates um, as good as any in the national football league and none better than what those two provided over the last say two to three years. Um, now, look, I, I love Cam Taylor Britt. This guy's phenomenal, and I think he'll continue to get better, right? He's, he's a young player. So when you're young, you're learning on the job. But he dove in there after missing most of training camp, early part of the season. You love his physicality. I think he plays with a, 
tremendous football IQ. The guy is hungry for the football. And next to um, Chitabay Awuzie, I think they'll be good. Now we got to figure out what we're going to – Nick Scott's a great signing. I can just tell you that right now. Will it take some time to learn exactly how Lou wants things done to be the great communicator back there? Yeah, there, there's always growing pains when you when you have to make those kind of transitions. But when you have players that come out of Penn State program, you got good people, you got good young men who are um, who have really good football IQ. And I remember watching him over his four years with the Rams. The guy always found the ball. And now uh, we need Dax Hill to be able to step in now who's a real heady player out of Michigan and their program is pretty similar to what Penn state is going to give you. So I think we'll be good as, as our starting group. And I throw Mike Hilton in there because we got five starters back there. Now we got to find depth and now we got to find a way to match up with teams who have very interesting part. Like who's going to, who's going to cover Travis Kelsey. You know, (laughs) we've always had someone for that. And We've always been able to match up. I think we've always had great depth and versatility to match up with whatever teams would throw at us. But I think it's an arms race. Teams are starting to understand who we are defensively, knowing that we're a team that you have to be able to beat, and they're going to build teams that are tailor-made to come at us maybe in areas where we're weak. And I think the secondary, we got to continue to build back there. Building on that, you mentioned our safeties. Mm -hmm both Bates and Scott, you know, when Von Bell came here, there was a moniker. He's an in-the-box safety. He's a downhill safety. He tackles well. He can't cover. And I remember the first half of that first year, uh, you know, was the COVID year. I was in the seats rolling my eyes thinking, man, this, this guy can't throw a cover on a bed. What, what have we done? And then I don't. I assume it was the coaching, but the light definitely went on. And I really, last year, I thought he was our best safety. Um but, you know, do you think Lou Anarumo can do the same thing with Nick Scott and Dax Hill and do it quickly? Yeah. You know, look, I, the secondary is an area where you have to coach it up. And Lou Anarumo understands that great defenses, you know, it's been taught for years that defenses are built from front to back. Well, the league has changed. Our game has changed. Great defenses now are built from back to front. Dick LeBeau used to always teach us if you make a mistake on defense in the secondary – um, the officials are standing in the end zone signaling a touchdown. Like we, we can't make mistakes on the back end. You've got to be very good back there. And that's what the safeties gave us over the last few years. And you're right, Von Bell was phenomenal. I mean, he was this past year, he was always in position. You go back to the AFC Championship game, the way they defended and double coverage on that pass in overtime against Tyreek Hill. They get the interception. Next thing you know, we're lining up to kick the game winning field goal. We're going to a Super Bowl. Right. And look, you ask anyone covering Tyreek Hill deep is not easy. He did it in the regular season game a year ago and did it again, did it again in 20 uh, in 2022. So uh, he was always in great position to make the play. So, look, it took him a while to get there. I still go back to the 2020 season. The hit that he laid on Juju Smith-Schuster in that Monday night game against Pittsburgh. From that day to this day, our defenses began winning the physical battles, not just against Pittsburgh, but across the board in every game. He brought a great physicality to the way that we play defense over the last three years that at the end of the day, someone's going to have to replace that because it doesn't just show up, right, because you got a name on the back of the jersey or because you write a check 
certain players have a way of imposing their will and, and creating a physical dynamic in football games that really make a difference. Jimmy, I'm sorry. you got. To, I know we got some viewers you want to get in. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I think we had a lot of questions about Dak and Nick Scott. Uh, we've kind of answered that already. Uh, here's one. I mean, this is uh, – I can get it to show up here. So basically what they're asking here is, Sally, in an idea of where, what, where do you think they go? Uh, I know free agency is not officially over with yet here, but where do you think they go in a draft um, that first round? Is what this question from Dave. I think we have great flexibility, right? We have we have need. Um, you can I think you can add a running back there depending on who's sitting there at twenty eight, right? Say a B. John Robinson sitting there. Hey, you're not passing that up. Probably going to wait to the second round on a running back, right? But you got to understand a fifth. If you take a player in the first round, that gives you a fifth year the, the option. And that fifth year comes at a at a lower price than say if you had to sign them to to a a new contract if they were taken in the second round because you're not you can't put the fifth year option on anyone outside of the first round. So just think about that. Um, that's what the Giants did with Saquon Barkley, right? Former first round pick. They put the fifth year option. He comes at a cheaper rate than if you had to sign him in free agency. So that's something to keep in mind. I think tight end. Um, say a Michael Mayer is available there. You think they're going to pass on <laughs> he's sitting there at 28? Right. I find it hard to believe, right? So you got to, you got, and then there's a couple of other guys that are going to go in the first round who are difference makers at the tight end position. Uh, a Darnell Washington out of Georgia. This guy is big, athletic, can change the line at the, at, at the line of scrimmage in terms of his run blocking. So there's some real good options there. If, at the cornerback position, if you get some guys who are falling, we could take a corner in the first round or maybe again in the second round. So I think the way that they've structured themselves in free agency, adding Orlando Brown Jr., um, adding Cody Ford uh, as, a, as a guard, tackle swing. We've got good depth on the offensive line now. You don't have to use that pick on an offensive lineman unless someone – hey, if Paris Johnson Jr. is there, <laughs> you, That's right. you, you take that every day, right? But we we have flexibility. That's Willie. That's Willie. That's Willie's guy. Yeah, that's yeah, Willie right. Anderson's oh, guy. Yeah, yeah. Hey, look, I I'm no Nick kid. I uh, went to church with his parents. Um, he's a local kid. Went to Princeton High School here. So we, you know, hey, right. look, uh, that that's our that's our dream uh, pick right there. But probably not going to be there. But I think the way that Duke Tobin and the Bengal staff has structured it, they've given themselves some great flexibility of where they can go at the tight end position, uh, excuse me, at the first in that first round pick and be able to select a player who's going to help us right away. Gotcha. And, and, and Sally, you just knocked out about 15, 20 questions with a, your last couple of responses, which is good. Uh, obviously addressing that tight end room, uh, draft, all the other, you, you knocked out a lot of them there. So Tom, go ahead and fire another way, way bro. I got, to, I got, I'll finish with a couple more. How do you see the division evolving? Uh, certainly Baltimore has Tommy's been – still there? I'm right here. You got me? Yeah. Okay. How has Baltimore been evolving, uh, you know, with, with the quarterback question? I think Pittsburgh is getting stronger. They may not be where they want to be, but they're getting stronger. And and the Browns, I think for the eighth year in a row, have won the offseason. They are the 60s Packers, 70s Steelers. The 80s 49ers, I mean, they're just – you listen to most of the media, they're just absolutely unstoppable. 
Now, look, I, I can tell you right now, here for the Ravens, they have a defense that's out of this world. I mean, they, they, can, they can line up and play defense. And I think we saw that in our final two games. I mean, we played them two weeks in a row. And look, I think the Bengals have a juggernaut of an offense. You know, they rank right around top five in, in scoring and average points per game over each of the last two years, right around six, somewhere in there. But against this team, that score tends to come down. Um, and since they added Roquan Smith, I think it, it made a huge difference for them. And we had a tough time with them. Let's be honest. It took us scoring on defense in order to sort of break that lock because our offense kind of kind of hit a brick wall there. Now, you get a Lamar Jackson in the mix. Lamar is must-see TV. You know, everyone here in Cincinnati knows that because we watched him play collegiately just down the road in Louisville. We know what kind of player he is. And so the Ravens are going to be there. They have a really good um, culture in the way that they play the game and the way that they like to keep the score down and, and make it close until the end. That's what it's – Pittsburgh's kind of the same way, right, with, uh, you know, T.J. Watt. Um, and Cameron Hayward and these guys, I mean, they, they're going to keep it close. Now, it just depends on what they give you on offense. But this kid, George Pickens, I'm telling you, at the wide receiver position, man, dudes play. And if they, if Deontay Johnson continues to get better and they run the ball like what they want to do, Mike Thomas, a great coach for, for, for all the right reasons. And, they're, you know, Dick LeBeau always tell us no matter what their record is in Pittsburgh, they're going to always make you bring a mouthpiece to the contest. And that that's that's what it's like to play in the AFC North. Now, when it comes to the Cleveland Browns, they're loaded, guys. They're, the reason why the national media is raving about this team because their offensive line is what everybody would want, right? Um, if you got an edge rusher like Miles Garrett, that's what when you look back on teams that becomes a dynasty or that win multiple championships, that's the kind of edge rusher you're gonna have. Denzel Ward's the kind of cornerback you're going to have on the D. I mean, this is that's what you want. That's what every team builder looks for, that kind of edge rusher, that kind of corner. Right? Now they got to fill in on all the other all the other areas. Um and I do think they got better on defense. You know, Jim Schwartz is coming in as their new defense coordinator. They'll be better defensively. Um and we've we've ha- always had it tough with Cleveland because I think of the offensive line because of their presence as an edge rusher and the secondary is pretty good. They got two first round picks at corner and, uh, and Greg Newsom as well as uh, Denzel Ward. So uh, it's going to be a race. These games, remember, I think that what the Browns were what seven and 10 a year ago, seven and 10 and Deshaun Watson didn't even get warm. You know? So no, it's this, this division once again, but see that that's what I, I say to people about the Bengals. That tells you how good we are, that we won this division each of the last two years. But that's why we went all the way to the AFC Championship game. By the time you run through the AFC North, everyone else better get ready. That's just what it's like. And I, I tell Bengals fans, don't, don't get bogged down when we barely win games on Sunday, week five, six, seven, eight, because this league comes down to final possessions, final drives, final quarters there ain't you ain't running away from anybody there ain't no homecoming games right when you look at our schedule and now that we have this first place schedule every year it's it's going to be a who's who um, every single year just get used to that and i think joe burrow has let us know that we're going to be doing this every year 
So just buckle up, get ready. They're all going to be exciting, and they're all going to come down to the final minutes. Yeah, that's awesome. Look, it means so much you being with us. I do want to follow up on, on one more question, and we're right at our time. But, man, I tell you what, it was so cool for fans to see you and the rest of the SWAT team uh, in town. I think you guys were ruler of, the, ruler of the jungle. I know you came down to the tailgate. Um, tell us about that special night, man, what that meant to you, man, because I, I can't imagine. I never asked you this question, but I'd like you to share with uh, all of our viewers right now what that night meant to you because I, I thought it was awesome. Well, as you as you well know, uh, Bingo Jim, look, for years um, after I was done playing, you know, I was always working, you know, I'm all, you know, and I think Chris and Boomer all – I think we all kind of, you know, kind of walk the same walk. When we're at games, we're usually working, you know, we're, we're either on a sideline or in a broadcast booth. And I'm even going all the way back to my high school days. I'm every single weekend in the fall, I'm either playing at a game, working at a game, you know, I'm, I'm covering and that's, I mean, that's been my life for some 40 years for crying out loud and going, even going back even further than that. And so um, to come to the Monday night game when we were ruler of the jungles, it was for the Monday night game for the Buffalo Bills. We were excited. You know, we got to come down to the tailgate that you were having and we spoke to the fans. And I just remember telling everyone, let's make this stadium as loud as we can make. I mean, I, I just was, ex I was expecting this bomb to go off, this, this burst of energy that Bengals fans have been, it's been pent up, right, since the 90s, right? You and I both know that. And I, I just knew it was going to be a special yep. night. I knew it was just going to be something that this country had never seen before coming out of Cincinnati, that it was going to represent this new day, a new era for Cincinnati Bengals football. And the way that that game began and the way that the Bengals fans showed up uh, at the stadium that night, man, I, I'm telling you, I just had goosebumps. And then, obviously, the DeMar Hamlin injury, and that just kind of – I just felt it robbed us of a very special moment, right? And um, and I'm not taking anything away from the events of that night because it, it was a life-or-death moment. But the prayers of people here in Cincinnati and the way that we all came together, I think it revealed us in, a, in an entirely different way than I had expected, not just representing our team with this euphoric energy, but then the way that we rallied from, you know, Jeff Ruby and all the people at Ruby's Steakhouse feeding the family um, of DeMar Hamlin and the way that our alumni chapter, the NFL Players Association, um, and our retired chapter players who still live in this area came to the hospital to provide them with anything that they needed to make sure they had things that they needed to be comfortable. And the way that the city showed up in that way, I think spoke more volume than what I had planned for us to exhibit in that game in terms of being just fans who cheered for our team and rooted them on. I think it showed the class of this city and the people who live here and what we're all about. And, uh, and I think we grew that night. I think everyone recognized us differently than maybe what their perceptions had shown previously. So turned out to be a proud moment uh, to be a Cincinnati Bengal in, in more ways than one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Tom and I have talked about this at nauseum during that time frame. But I've never been more proud of Bengal fans. Um, that night was amazing. Uh, the way uh, there wasn't a ton of Bills fans there, but the way people were going out of the way, hunting down Bills fans and giving them hugs and uh, the, the vigil they did across the street from the hospital. 
this was bigger than football, man. But it, I agree with you, Sal. It gives me goosebumps as you talked about because your energy changed, man, when you started talking about this that that night, man, how it all started and how crazy it was. It was uh, Tom and I have been season ticket holders since the 70s, early 80s. Uh, Tom been there for with his dad for many, many years. But I have never, ever seen a start of a football game that electric in Cincinnati. Not just in Cincinnati, but I've traveled all over the country, Solomon. I travel all over the country. I've been to 28 uh, uh, of the I'm to 29 football cities. That game was special that night. I've uh, I can just picture it on my head right now. It was a very special moment for sure. It, that's what the jungle is all about. It reminded me of those games when we played in the late 80s, right? Uh, when we would close oh, the yeah. door in that stadium, it was just this circular sort of uh, you know stadium. And you remember the way the, the noise would just rise up in that stadium. In 88, we were, I think we were 8-0 in home games that year. We never never lost at home, including, I mean, we end up being 10-0 at home if you counted the, the playoff games. I mean, when, when the team came in there, man, they had no shot. I mean, they had no, so that's what we felt like that night. Um, the Bills, great right. team, you respect them. We felt like they had no shot, right? And so we want we right. want to carry that energy into 2023, make sure every home game this upcoming season is that way for the Bengals. Yeah, I'm with you. So, Sila, before you get off here, tell everybody what you got going on now, your pie. Just talk about where they can find you, buddy. Well, look, yeah, we we stay busy, and we begin each and every morning on Sirius XM NFL Radio Channel 88. I'm the host of The Opening Drive from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time. So don't forget to join us there. Then, of course, on Believe in Bengals. It's the Believe in Bengal podcast. Um, and, of course, look, uh, we've had the last two episodes and the next two, so four straight episodes where we're sort of uh, previewing and telling everyone about uh, this wonderful book. It's called um, From a Bulldog to Bengal, and it's written by Scott Burson and Sam Smather, uh, two wonderful people from Athens, Ohio. Of course, Sam Smathers was Joe Burrow's first ever football coach, right? This guy brought back youth football to Athens, Ohio. Joe Burrow came through that program. Um, it tells a wonderful story about Joe Burrow and all those wonderful kids that came through that program. And it tells his story from Bulldog to Bengal. And so we're going to highlight that book on four straight episodes. We already have done two. Tomorrow, we're going to have Jimmy Burrow on the show. So we're looking forward to recording that. And uh, we it's all thing Bengals, right? And we talk about the draft. We talk about free agency. And, of course, during the season, you can catch us on Valley Sports Ohio, where we simulcast there as well. So we continue to be busy, uh, but nothing's more important than what's happening with the Bengals right now. Yes, sir. And, Sally, we, we tune in. We we always watch and, and keep up with you, brother, just like thousands of other Bengal fans. We appreciate you, man, representing Hootay Nation on a very professional level across the country. Uh, we love you, buddy. Thanks again for, uh, for, for being with us. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for having me. We greatly appreciate you. Enjoy the evening. Who day? Happy Easter. All right. Who day, buddy? Who day, baby. All right. Bye-bye. See, that's what you love, man. You got a former player there. You got a former, you got a former player, Tom, who freaking loves the Cincinnati Bengals and has a passion around it. And uh, that's why I love all the stuff he's doing nationally, right? So he doesn't, he doesn't let the normal narrative out there go, you know, he he sticks up for us a little bit. Good being a great guy, a great player, a fair broadcaster, and a great broadcaster. He did a perfect intro for our next guests. 
<laughs> he did. He did. And actually, uh, before I bring him on, uh, I'm going to paste, uh, cut and paste in our chat areas on Facebook and YouTube uh, how to buy this book. So you're going to be able to, to buy this book, pre-order it right now. I think uh, we'll be able to get the, those books in sometime in April. So we're going to bring on uh, Scott and Sam right now, the authors from Bulldogs to Bengals. Scott, what's going on, buddy? How are we doing? I don't know if Solomon plays golf, but he teed that up pretty well, didn't he? <laughs> we didn't have to pay <laughs> for that at all, man. Shit. Yeah. Sam, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? Hey, hey, very well. Thank you for having us, uh, Bengal Jim and Tom. I appreciate it. Scott, how you doing, great sir? Great to have you. Yeah, doing great. Hey, 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 hey Sam, we're going to, in a little bit, we're going to break down Joe Burrow game film. I got some game film I'm sure you haven't seen in a while. So I need you to, you're going to help us break. It'll be the first ever live breakdown of Joe Burrow's game film live uh, right now for everybody to see. So we're going to have some fun with that. Uh, but right. Scott, uh, so Scott is the author of the book, uh, Bulldog to Bengals. Uh, Sam uh, Smathers is the co-author and uh, Joe Burrow's youth football coach. There's some great stories here, guys. I don't even know where to start, but I'll kick it off to you, Scott. Can you help people understand that are watching right now uh, the why behind the book, how it started, and, and where it's at today? Yeah, so I grew up in, in Athens, and I'm a 1980 Athens High School uh, graduate. Uh, so I care very much about my hometown. I live in Indiana now. I'm a professor, but I have a sports writing background. Uh, my dad actually started, uh, organized uh, Saturday morning youth uh, tackle football in 1964. He was the first city recreation director in Athens. It went away for a little while. Uh, there were some people that had some concerns about head injuries. But Sam, the man here, uh, kind of spearheaded a movement to help help bring it back. And uh he uh, became the commissioner of the entire uh, league in south, Southeast Ohio, and he can talk more about that. But uh, he coached a lot of a lot of guys and young ladies uh, going through the program, and uh, Joe Burrow was one of those. Yeah. Well, well Sam, let's let's kick into a little bit. Uh, I guess first of all, talk about the book, you guys, where they can get it, um, when it's due out. I know pre-order is going on right now, guys. Yeah, so yeah, I'll pick up on that a little bit more. Uh, so yeah, um, they can get it at orangefraser dot uh, com. So that's orange f r a z e r dot uh, com, and that's a publishing company out of Wilmington, Ohio, and they've published a lot of Bengals books, Reds books, uh, Buckeyes books. So they've got a lot of history there. Uh, so you can order it, pre-order it there. Should be out in the middle middle of April. Um, so I kind of had this, this idea of, uh, writing a book that would feature some Athens high school, prominent Athens high school graduates, and Joe would be in the sports lane. And then we've had some other really, uh, phenomenal people, Atul Gawande, best-selling author. He's a surgeon. He's in the Biden administration now. Um, Maya Lin, uh, she is the designer of the Vietnam veterans war memorial. She designed that when she was an undergrad at Yale and, uh, also, Another guy who was really interesting, uh, his name is Bill Greer, but he traveled around with a lot of rock bands uh, for a while, and he did security, and he managed uh, Ozzy Osbourne. So we've had a lot of interesting people uh, at Athens High School, and I was thinking it'd be really cool to have a book of seven or eight people that have done these interesting things. But I went back to Athens, uh, I guess it was about a year, it was a year ago at this time in March, and I started interviewing people. And I started talking to people about Joe and I, I realized, man, I've got so many great stories. We could write an entire book 
on Joe Burrow right now, and it could be a celebration of his first 25 years. And uh, I swung around and I met with Sam there in the dog pound. We'll talk about the dog pound. He's in the dog pound right now. And we, we sat and we talked about Joey a little bit, but we spent an hour, hour and a half, and we talked about all sorts of things. We had great chemistry. And uh, I thought, you know, it'd be great just to co-author this with, with Sam. And one thing led to another, and here we are. Sam, so guys, it sounds like pre-sales going pretty damn good with the book. Yeah, from what I see and what Scott was sending me stuff, um, yeah, it looks like it's Amazon's bestseller from what I hear. And and uh, so, yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's, cool. it's uh, yeah, there's a lot Very of books cool. on, on Amazon, but uh, in terms of new releases, and of course it's not out yet, but uh, should be out uh, in April, uh, in terms of new, new releases, it's number one in football. Uh, new releases on Amazon. So we're very, very humbled by that. Very thankful for that. Yeah. Very, very cool. Very cool. So guys, I mean, everybody that's watching, if you're in right now, throw in some questions in the chat area, wherever you're watching, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, type in some questions. We'll throw them out to Coach Sam and, and Scott here in a little bit. Uh, I guess, Sam, let's talk about, again, you guys can take this wherever you want, but I've got a bunch of pictures here and I've got a video uh, of of some plays for from Joe, but let's just talk about Joe outside of football a, a little bit. Joe, it sounded like he was a, a pretty damn good, uh, pretty good baseball and basketball player as well, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he um, he came here in uh, his third grade year, maybe late second grade year. But anyway, they moved here during, I believe, baseball season mm -hmm. um, when they came and uh, started hooking up with all the local kids and the travel teams and such and uh, the Lerman twins and and that whole group, Sam Vanderbilt. And, and so – then when football season came around, they said, we have full contact football. Of course, in the book, it's, you know, the, the, to getting to come here from where they were at, Robin says they have organized contact football. And he was like, really? So he was kind of sold on that when he, before they moved. So when he got here, we had contact football. And so he got into that, but yeah, the, he was um, all around athlete. I mean, all around good kid, but you know, coming from the family he has, you know, uh, two older brothers, you know, much older and, and, uh, you know, I'm sure he was the, uh, you know, he was the football on, uh, on Thanksgiving days, you know, when they had a backyard pickup game and, you know, he was a young guy. And, and, uh, so, you know, he learned from his brothers and his dad and, and, uh, you know, to be tough and be competitive. So, you know, he's always been competitive and, uh, from the time I've known him. So, you know, it's, that's Joey. I mean, that's who Joey is. All right, so just pop up some pictures here as we, we talk about Joe and, and the, the youth team that you coached. Um, so I, I guess talk a little bit about Joe. I mean, was he – I mean, did he stick out like a sore thumb? Hey, that's our quarterback. Uh, did he play defense? What else do you have him do? No, we um, – you didn't know he was at practice. I mean, like I said, I've coached uh, youth football for 10 years prior to him coming through. So I've seen a lot of kids come through our, our, our program and all we were trying to do is build our program for our high school, feed our high school program. You know, I was tired of the nineties and the, you know, the, the, the lean years we had, you know, and I live right across the street, the football field is right on the other side. So I'm right behind the scoreboard and I've seen a lot of home games here and I've seen a lot of lean years and I said, where's our feeder program. So anyway, we got that going again. And, uh, but no, he was a quiet kid. I mean, he, you never knew he was at practice. Um, very competitive young man. I mean, any sprint we wanted that was going on, he had to be first, uh, any hitting drill we were doing, he had to, you know, do it the best. Um, so, and when he came up through, um, like I said, I'd, I'd been here 10 years. I probably went through six or seven varsity coaches at our high school. 
So I got to do a lot of different philosophies as far as, you know, what we're setting up for. Uh, we ran the power eye, we ran the Maryland eye, we ran the wing T, you know, we ran the pro set, you know? So I go to the varsity coach and say, here, who I am. I'm, you know, youth football coach. We'd like to run your program. Give us the terminology. Can you sit down with our coaches? Sure. Come on in. So every new coach that came through, we did this whole thing again and again and again. This so happens. It was the wing T offense that we, our varsity was running when Joey came through and, um, he picked up on it and you know if we were running the power or the uh, pro set or you know any kind of passing game ryan lerman would have been my quarterback i mean he was a much taller kid um had threw the ball better at that time and uh he could run just as, as as fast as anybody but i didn't need a quarterback that could run i needed a quarterback that could orchestrate the offense and do the handoff and the double handoff and understand the plays and, and, you know, you know, equate that to on the field situations. So, and Joey at the time was the smartest one that I had with his IQ, like I said, not knowing who he was or his dad or anybody that was, you know, just learning from practices that um, he, he stood out that way. And uh, so as, you know, as time went on, I found out who his dad was and defensive coordinator at OU. And I'm like, Oh, well, that kind of all makes sense. Now his football IQ a little bit higher than everybody else's. And then, so, you know, but growing up through the program, you know, we had another coaching change his fifth grade year and we went back to a pro set and I said, all right, here, we're going to do this. And we ran a wing and shoot offense at the end in fourth grade. And the picture, one picture you had was in the uh, championship Super Bowl, the Super Bowl of the two leagues, then that, that game right there, that was between the Sheridan generals up in the NBL league against us at Peden stadium. And um, I gave him full carte blanche on that game to, I said, Hey, we're, we're champions of our league. They can't ever take it away from us. What do you guys want to run? And they said, what? I said, well, you can run whatever you want. And okay. So we was getting into the passing game at that time. That was the uh, championship game against Nelsonville York, but, but we were getting into passing the ball with the wing and shoot with the Lerman twins. And they all wanted to throw the football. So all week in practice before the Super Bowl, we worked on what they wanted to do. And go out there in the first half, and we're losing, you know, 14 to nothing. And they're all bummed and down on themselves at halftime. And went, hey, we tried it. What you guys want to do, let's let's go back and run the wing tee and see what we can do. We shut them out in the second half, but we could not score enough. We lost 14 to 12. But, you know, uh, I let them do what they wanted to do. You know, that's what you do in youth football. You, you keep kids happy. You know, you get them playing time. You know, you make it exciting. You make it fun. Hey, hey, hey Sam, I so I coached in Coleraine youth football for 20 years, so kind of feeding that program. But you know, I remember, you know, coaching kids that age, it was always – sometimes it was competitive, but after that game's over with, they wanted a snack of some kind, right? They wanted oh, to yeah. go get an ice cream or something. What, what was what was Joey's go-to there? I mean, come on, you got to remember that. Um, during during practice, or you know, we'd have the ice cream truck. I knew the guy that ran the, uh, you know, Larry's Doghouse down here, and uh, I'd say, hey, can you buy – like 7.30-ish, drive by the practice field over here, and they go, sure. And I'd say, hey, look, guys, there's the ice cream truck. We might as well quit practice half hour early and have some ice cream. And I'd we'd buy the ice cream. The parents would get the, the hell of a coach. Yeah, yeah, you know, and you know, have That's a treat. Funny. Hey, Jim, can I jump in for That's a second? Funny. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I interviewed – I can't remember if I said this already, but I interviewed uh, close to 60 people in Athens County when I was doing my, my research. And of course the uh, subtitle for this book is the Joe Burrow story 
through the eyes of his hometown. And so I interviewed close to 60 people. And what I got consistently was Joe or, or uh, Coach Sam was phenomenal as a youth uh, coach. He's old school. I mean, he was tough and he would make them listen. He would make them do their homework. If they weren't doing their homework. They couldn't get on the practice field. If they didn't come to practice, they would they would miss a quarter. I mean, he was he was old school when it came to that. But I remember some of his former players, you know, who did play in high school, too. They said, yeah, he he was tough, but he was very nurturing, you know, and we love playing for Coach Sam. They just absolutely love him. Uh, so I just want to throw that in. Well, I mean, you, when you cut football practice short half an hour for ice cream truck, I would love to play with this man. Come on. Come on. That's good stuff. Tom, I'm sorry. I know you guys, I know you had something too, yeah. buddy. Sorry. I want to ask these guys, you know, uh, certainly here in Cincinnati, our two biggest figures as a quarterback have been Ken Anderson, who should be in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. and Boomer Esiason, who was an incredible quarterback and Bengal legend. Joe is known for his leadership, just as the two of them those guys were. They were very contrasting personalities, though. And this is a long question, but I can remember him at a college all-star game and then also watching some of his LSU teammates uh, be interviewed. And the guys at the all-star game said by the end of the week, they didn't want to disappoint Joe Burrow. And his LSU teammates didn't want to dis- disappoint Joe Burrow. And it showed him even at the all-star game working with receivers one day and they got to the field and he very quietly looked at him and said, what time were we supposed to be here? And they kind of mumbled it and he goes, not a week to be late guys. You know, come on, not screaming, not hollering, no fingers in the face, but just very calm. Did you see those leadership qualities even when he was young? Oh, definitely. Oh, most definitely. That's, and I've get asked that many, many, many times. The, um, he led by example. Um, like I said, in the drills, you know, he would be, he'd be first, but he, you know, he would not show anybody up, you know, he would hit and he would not, you know, over hit, but he would, he would lead by example. We needed a play, you know, he would make it happen. You know, we'd, we'd call a play on the field and, you know, he would make it happen and he'd, he'd make sure everybody did their job in that huddle. And he was, he was the coach on the field that even in that group at that age, you know, third through sixth grade. And by the time he was in sixth grade, I knew his leadership skills was way above anything I've ever seen for a youth football kid. Um, so it's amazing. And I, and that's when I knew, that's when I seen it. I mean, not seen it, but I seen what we could be become if these 12, 13 kids stayed together from third grade through high school, how good our high school team was going to be. I seen that now beyond that. I, nobody could see that. I, you know, I I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sit there and say I could, cause I couldn't. But uh, but I knew how good we were going to be in high school with that group of kids and Joe at the helm. Yeah, can I jump in, uh, please, in, in yeah, response to that too? So again, uh, one of the one of the people I really enjoyed uh, speaking to multiple times as I was doing research was Zakaya Saltzman. Zakaya is one of Joe's best friends. Uh, goes all the way back to the early years in in high school. Zakaya never played for you, Sam. I think he. Started playing in middle school, right? Football in right. middle school. But uh, by the time he was a senior, I think uh, he he ran, rushed for over 2,000 yards, right? Oh, there's a picture right here behind me on the wall. Yeah. Well, and we'll I have, t- these pictures I have are all kids that I coach in youth football, minus two. And one of them is Zakai Saltzman rushing for 2,112 yards in 10 games, and we didn't make the playoffs. But yeah. his senior <laughs> year, 
year after Joey left. His junior year, he caught, I believe it was well over 1,700 yards receiving in the slot position from Joey. Yeah. And so you, you take a kid, and he earned him a scholarship to Georgetown. Georgetown University, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. By the way, it's another quick aside. Those, fo- those photos were all taken by Sam's daughter, yeah. and she's the chief photographer in the book. So we need to give her a shout out. That's all right, awesome. back, That's awesome. back to my my point though. <laughs> all right, all right, coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, back back yeah. to the point. Um, so Zakaya and Joe are still really good friends. They still do a lot of things together and all that. But Zakaya said he thinks that Athens County is one of the reasons. Joe growing up in Athens County, this is one of the reasons why he's such a phenomenal leader in every locker room that he finds himself in. And some people might be surprised, but Athens is a fairly diverse place. Yeah, it's Appalachia and so forth. you got country folk, but you also got a university here, Ohio University, that has over 120 uh, international countries represented on the campus. So there's a fair amount of diversity. And Zakaya said, you know, I think Joe learned how to deal with a lot of different people. And he recognized that each person needs to be talked to differently. And he needs to, he figures out, you know, kind of how to connect with each person in the locker room and bring out the best in each person and how to talk to each person in each situation. And I think that was true in Athens. I think it's been true, you know, at Ohio State, certainly true at LSU and also with the Bengals. So I think Athens played a role in helping to form and shape Joe into the sort of phenomenal leader that he is today. Yeah. Um, I guess let me get a couple. I'm sorry, guys. I'm, uh, Again, this is our off season. We're missing a few guys, and uh, we're trying to to uh, pull up some questions here. But trying to, th- I just had one here. Uh, graduate quotes. You guys address a lot of these questions here, but um, guys, any more questions? Type them in here. But uh, Coach Sam, I want to throw this video up here. It's it's maybe I don't know six to seven different six to eight different plays uh, from Joe when he was playing youth football uh, for you. Uh, you can make any comments you want on these. The very as everybody's watching this, the very last video, uh, Joe just shakes this little kid, puts him on his knees. Uh, it's hilarious. I'm sure this kid watches that video today and said, "Joe Burrow, I played against Joe Burrow." But Coach Sam, you can say anything you want when I play this video here. here so. Oh, that's the play we drew up in the dirt. <laughs> that's exactly the play we drew. <laughs> this is this is the play to get us into the overtime. That's a pass, and then uh, this is a great – now, this play right here was called incomplete. That was Adam Lerman making a great play, and this is Joe making a play when we needed it. Um, it was supposed to be a He pitch. didn't follow the block there, Coach. He didn't, <laughs> he didn't follow the block, but he didn't He didn't do the pitch either. He didn't see that. <clears throat> this is QB sneak on bump. This is his audible that he had in fourth grade. I said, if there's nobody in the pit, if there's no linebacker in the pit, you just walk up to the center – and make sure everybody's set, bump him under the butt, and you just take the ball and go on a QB sneak. So this right here, i tell you right now, if you can stop this play right here, this play right here is everybody's seen this play. San Francisco 49ers, uh, he rolls out to his right, hits Chase in the back of the end zone. Um, it's the play that uh, his Heisman play that they say, uh, playing Georgia, he's rolling out to his right, dodging, dodging blockers and, and cutting and, and sees a, a receiver, you know, downfield Justin Jefferson downfield and throws it to him. I seen that same play when I seen it at at Cincinnati, when I watched it on TV at LSU, I said, I've got that same play on tape somewhere. And I said, I remember seeing it. That was Alexander. That was it. And that was the play, you know, in a playoff game against Alexander at Logan field in a neutral site. And, uh, 
And I said, uh, he was supposed to, it was supposed to be just a quick slant. It wasn't there. And he rolled out to his right and shucked the blocker, you know, and this, that, you know, tackler. And then seeing the guy in the back of the end zone and caught him. And I'm like, and then when I seen it then, and we had the same play in high school and against, I believe it was Zanesville. He was rolling out to his right and did the same exact thing. We're playing them. And I'm like, when I seen it right there in sixth grade, that was one of the reasons I knew he was going to be special in high school. You know, we were going to do things. Yeah. When I see and I seen it in the San Francisco 49ers game, it was like, I've seen this play like three or four times already. This is awesome. I love it. <laughs> so, so coach, so help me understand. You got a third grade or whatever. What, I don't know. What, was that third or fourth third grade, grade? Something like that, probably. Third grade. Third so third Joey's, grade. Joey's getting under center. You guys have a play called. Uh, he doesn't see any <clears throat> linebacker over him or nobody lined up in A and B gap. He just, what was his audible for that sneak? It's QB sneak on bump. It's his audible. It's okay. playing one. It's every everybody there I've ever coached in 15, 18 years. They know my play, play one is QB sneak on bump. If I holler out there on the field, play one, it's QB sneak on bump because I see the defense is doing something. And I right. and I told it to Joe, and, I, and Joe's the only quarterback I ever coached that I didn't have to tell him to do it. He automatically seen it and boom, <laughs> took off with it. And that wasn't the only time he'd That's done that. Awesome. Either, so. So and that that's was, awesome, you know, man. I, I love that. Those those plays are awesome. Thanks for the feedback on those. So so Scott, tell I mean, tell everybody. I mean, what surprise? Obviously, this you said earlier that going into this book, it really wasn't going to be a book all about Joe. Joe was going to be the focus for the sports piece of this. But yeah. what what were some of the things that opened your eyes uh, as you went through uh, putting this book together? You know, it was it was just stories. You know, I've written four books. I love great stories. And of course, uh, it became fairly clear. I've followed Joe since high school on a granular level. So I mean, I was pretty familiar with the main movements in the story. But once I started talking to people in Athens County, and and many of them are people that I I grew up with, that are part of this story. I mean, I I went to high school with a guy that ended up coaching uh, Joe, I think 400 games between basketball and baseball during his youth days. I, I went to high school with a who's now a lady. She was a girl back then, but she's the one that got Joe addicted to caramel apple suckers. I don't know if you know that story or not, but she's the one. She she told me that we story. Do. Yeah, my high school basketball wait, wait, coach. Wait, 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 wait a minute, Scott. Let me let me stop you there about that. Yeah. So we had Jimmy Burrow on, and he was mm-hmm. telling us about the caramel apple suckers. So uh, Carrie and a bunch of us that we tailgate with every game home and away bring those, those caramel apple suckers. So what, yeah, <laughs> that's a fun. Did he do that in youth football too, Sam? No, no, we, um, that was uh, he didn't do that, not that I knew of. I mean, like I said, I had the same relationship I had with any other kid on my team, so it wasn't like me and him, right? Were, you know, I was a defensive coach, he's an offensive kid, and so Heath Bullock was my offensive coordinator at the time, and so we would sit here in the, in the dog pound before practice figure out what we're going to work on and then go over there. And then he would go over practice with him and I would be the head coach. I was the head coach, but I focused more on defense and we put in what we was going to do. And I'd overseen what was happening over there when you have, you know, that many kids, but no, there was was none of that stuff. No, no pre game sucker, you know, whatever. Sock on the wrong foot inside out. So Scott, so how did that start? Make sure I heard that right. So, a girl started this thing, so for for Joey. Okay, yeah. So so again, it's a 
so a girl that I went to high school with, uh, who was a lady. Okay. Uh, she she ended up being Robin's uh, early morning running partner. They lived in the same neighborhood, and and it was her her house was where the gang would come hang out. And it was it was a large group of uh, boys and girls in high school. And they would come and they would hang out in her basement. And so her daughter said, hey, can the gang come over today? And she said, yeah, that's fine. So she went down to the Dollar General and bought some snacks. And one of them, and she saw this uh, pack of caramel apple suckers on, on the shelf. She grabbed a couple of them. She said, I haven't had these since high school. So she brought them home and they grabbed their snacks. You know, they went down to the basement. She said five or 10 minutes later, she hears somebody walking up the stairs and it's Joe. And Joe's got this sucker in his mouth. He says, this is phenomenal. Where did you get this? <laughs> She's like, I got it at Dollar General. So it just became a pregame ritual all the way through LSU. Robin and Jimmy told me that they had so many of those that the LSU people would just buy so many of those and just drop them off on their stairs. They've still got them in their basement. <laughs> and so, um, but, you know, stories like that. And, and for me personally, to be connected to people I know. And then my basketball coach, my baseball coach, he's in the story and he knew Joe. Joe and I had the same elementary school principal separated by 35 years. So, uh, so at any rate, uh, uh, I'm getting a little getting feedback, a little feedback here, here, all here all of a sudden. Yeah, sorry about that. I think Tom's uh, connection might have messed up there. So, yeah, Tom will yeah, so, log back so, in here in a minute. Sorry. Sure. So, so when I started uh, hearing all these stories, like I said, I, I've written books. I love stories. I could begin to see that this isn't just, you know, Joe Burrow's stats through the years. These are anecdotes, many of which nobody has heard. And so finding a way to put all the puzzle pieces together was exciting to me. And of course, Sam was a tremendous resource in that, in connecting me with people, fact checking, telling his own stories. He's got so many of them. Good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Let me try to get Tom back in here. I wanted him to finish with one here real quick. Real quick. Yeah. Nope. Still getting that. Hey, Tom. Um, there you are. Nope. Hey, Tom, <laughs> go ahead. Let's let's try it. We're, we're getting really bad feedback when we pull you out. We'll try it one more time here. Time here. We good? Okay. Tom, you still uh, I just wanted ahead, to be right? sure when you guys write volume two <laughs> – that you've got the cover all planned out with him in a Bengals uniform holding multiple Super Bowl trophies, <laughs> many Lombardi trophies. Damn straight. Good. That's perfect. That's plan. Plan. That we'll buy that one too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tom, I'm going to remove you from the stream again. We were getting some feedback there for some reason. I'll pull you back on here in a second. So, guys, um, thanks for being with us, man. I know we're over the time we told you. Okay, Coach Sam, uh, Scott was talking about you before the show, man. He said, this might be past your bedtime, brother. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I worked in the garden today, and I got uh, cabbage, broccoli, and, and uh, lettuce, and potatoes and onions were yesterday or day before. So, yeah, I got the garden all ready to go. It's 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 kicking, and I did, the, did some work in the yard and getting ready to do that. And, but, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an old farm boy, you know. Sun goes down, I'm out. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm with you, bro. I'm with you. I'll kick, I'll kick the rooster in the butt when I get up in the morning and we'll get going again. <laughs> hey, Sam, man, it means so much of being with us. And thanks for uh, for sharing some of the stories. And, and Scott, I'm excited for you guys for the book. Uh, we'll share that link again uh, and we'll we'll do some posting on it as well, man. Just uh, I'm excited to, to to grab a copy myself and, and read the thing. So we appreciate you guys being here with us. It means a heck of a lot to everybody watching. And uh the stories you yeah. shared tonight, those are stories that people have never heard before. Go ahead, Scott. 
yeah, I just want to make sure I got this uh, in in here. Uh, if there was uh, probably one, well, two words that I would use to describe this book, the first is family and the second is hope. Um, I think, you know, Joe is very much a family-centered person, not only blood, but also the people that uh, he cares deeply about in Athens County and everywhere he's been. All the people in the locker room that he's with, those are family members, not just, uh, you know, guys he, he goes to work with. So is, this is very much a family-centric, you know, sort of book. But it's also about hope. You know, his 31 seconds during the Heisman Trophy and how he's been able to give back to Athens County is just absolutely phenomenal. And now, of course, the Joe Burrow Foundation has been launched to, to help people, help youth in uh, southern Ohio, southeast Ohio, Cincinnati area, down in Louisiana, food insecurity and mental health issues. And, and there's a portion of uh, each book that is sold that will go to the Joe Burrow Foundation. Anything else you want to add to that, Sam? No, it's exactly right. Um, you know, we're here to, you know, the other day they helped out with uh, some kids in the Cincinnati area who were on spring break, the Joe Burrow Foundation. I've I seen that on the news, which is awesome. You know, they make sure they had food over the over their spring break. Um, you know, that's something that, you know, it, it Joe's worried, you know, that's his, his big thing is, you know, he's seen it here. Um, he's watched it, you know, grew up with it, you know, and these kids in this area. And, and uh, you know, we, we used to take kids to practice. We used to pick them up for games. We take them home for practice. You know, we, you know, we did things to make sure kids could get to do the things that every kid needed to do. And he, he got to see this. And like I said, the ice cream truck coming around like that. And then certain days, you know, we'd stop and have something on the way home. You know, it was, it was, it was planned around a lot of things and, you know, and it made sure everybody got something that, you know, well-deserved and well, you know, be a part of a team, part of a family, part of a brotherhood that, you know, they can build on that. And, uh, so for the Joe Burrow Foundation and what we're doing, and that was a big thing for me is when we started this, was make sure some of this got back to that help out what Joe wants. And so it's, it's a great avenue for us to help out and contribute our own little way. So, but thank you, uh, Bengal Jim. And hey, Tom hey, Sam, here, here. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Yeah. One, one, one last, one last thing for you, Sam. Um, look, man, I've coached for a long time as well, man, but, what you did for those kids during that time that you coached them, I don't care how many Super Bowl uh, that Joe Burrow wins, the national championship that he won, Sam, they have those memories and they talk about those things till still today. What happened in third and fourth grade, the silly things they remember. They remember all that stuff, man. So we appreciate you and thank you for being part of it because I think you football in this country needs a lot more people just like you, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. One, one final comment <laughs> about Sam um, that really impressed me. It really touched my heart. I mean, Sam and I, and I've had so many people corroborate this. Sam said, you know what? We all love uh, Joe, you know, but I, you know, I care just as much about that kid that I coach, you know, back in third grade, fourth grade, who gets up every morning, doesn't let the obstacles in his life stop him. He gets up every morning. He goes to his labor job. He, he runs the forklift. I care just about I'm just as proud of him as I am of, of Joe Burrow. And that, I think, speaks volume about Sam Smathers. Very much so. Very much so. And that's that's very true. I mean, I, I see kids all the time still call me Coach Sam, and they have kids of their own, and they're introducing me to their kids and and, and this, that, and the other. And, and I may not remember their names, all of them, and I apologize for that, but I've been so many, my kids, uh, that came through. But I'm so proud to hear what they're doing and, and, and they, you know, they remember those times in, in football practice and, you know, co you know, play, practice in the rain, you know, and it's like, 
but the mudslides after the rain was over was great. You know, that's, they remember those little things that, you know, you got to make it fun. You got to make it, you know, enjoyable. So they'll come back tomorrow. But yeah, those, I'm just as proud as those yep. kids. Thank you, Scott, for bringing that up. But yeah, I am very proud of all my kids. And, uh, you know, Joe just happened to be the one that, you know, went here. And those kids are here also in their own world, in their own life, and what they're doing. And I'm just as proud of them being a pillar of this community and, and doing something and, and raising their own family. So, yeah, I am. Thank you, Scott. That's awesome. Well, guys, we appreciate it. Thanks for being here with us tonight. Good luck on the book. We'll keep sharing the links. And 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 uh, I, I can't wait to add it to my collection, my book collection, my lab, my Bengal library. I'm looking right at the, the shelves right now. It will go proudly there after I read it. But thank you guys yeah. so much for being with us again. Our pleasure. Thanks so much. Good day. Thanks, guys. See ya. Good day, buddy. Great guys. You okay? You good, Tom? Yeah, yeah, man. I tell you what, man. They, they, uh, Coach Sam, man. Coach Sam, man, touched a lot of people, a lot of kids' lives, man. Because those kids that played with Joey that are now whatever, 25, 27, 28 years old, um, those guys will never forget what they did in third, fourth, fifth grade football. Trust me, they still talk about that stuff. Oh, you, you know, people that take time to coach kids and spend time with kids in youth sports do so much for them. You know, I think later in life it teaches teamwork. It teaches a form of discipline and it teaches how to rely, you know, on the guy next to you and to be there for the guy next to you. And uh, like, like you said, you know, whether you go two and eight every year or whether you win championships, it's an important part of their lives. And hopefully as they, they grow and get older and look back on it, they, uh, they look at it with a smile and, you know, some of the best times of their life. Yep. 100%. Let me, uh, let's go and hit one here. See if I can get it right here. Who is this? We had Hannah there uh, for the two-minute warning, Tom. So let's go ahead and, and go ahead and start us off in the two-minute warning. No, you know, not the biggest week of free agent activity. A lot of, uh, like we talked with Solomon, a lot of rumors and speculation about what's going on. I think the Bengals have taken a step back. They're going to let uh, free agency come back down, see what this next wave is going to be. I think they are going to sign multiple guys still. Before the draft, I wouldn't be surprised if they signed, you know, minimum of two or three to help with death and maybe still address the tight end spot. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, you know, some house cleaning with us. Gotten a lot of questions about Jamie. From what I understand, Jamie is doing fantastic in his extended darkness retreat. Um, I do know the guy that slides in his two meals a day is also reading him Bengal news. So he's He's getting Bengal news. I don't know what his reaction is to it, but he is okay for everybody out there that's worried about him. And we look forward to him, you know, being back when he's when he feels like he's ready after his darkness retreat. Uh, James, it was kind of odd. I, you know, Jimmy and I, uh, Jimmy came to me about it. He was a little confused. Always giving you guys the best um, in Bengals coverage and speculation from a fan standpoint. James volunteered to go down to the University of Florida Pro Day. And um, it's not till Thursday, but he, he left today. So uh, we, we hope he'll be back on next week. But, um, uh, you know, he flew down to Gainesville today and, and can't be on. And he'll, uh, he'll be watching everything that goes on at, uh, at Florida Pro Day on Thursday. And also, this is our last show for March, which means April, which means the draft. And 
thank you for spending your Sunday evenings with us. Um, we're going to have a lot of good people on. Talk to one of them today. I know Jimmy's talked to a couple other ones. So uh, we're going to have everything covered. And uh, Jimmy, can we go ahead and say that uh, draft night we will be on immediately before the draft? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I will, I, will I will physically be at the draft, and I'll be right. dialing in that night, Tom and James. And who else we got that night, Tom? Uh, well, I know. We, well, I, we'll go ahead and spill the beans. He's going to be on. Okay, he'll be on two weeks before the draft, hopefully for the entire hour. But he's one of our more popular guests, Brian Bosarge, also known as Deep Fried uh, from NFL Draft Countdown, will be with us April sixteenth, and he will also be with us draft night. We'll be on about seven o'clock immediately before the draft. Brian will come on with us for about ten or fifteen minutes. We're not quite ready to announce who else we're going to have that night, but uh, like I said. Uh, Jimmy will dial in from Kansas City at the draft. James and I will will be in our studios, and uh, we'll have Deep Fried on for for ten or fifteen minutes, and we'll have a lot of other things to announce coming up. But April definitely a very big month for Bengals fans and uh, and us. Yeah, good stuff. So, <laughs> looking, Tom. Thank you. Uh, so, real quick, let's talk about uh, Jungle to the Hall three. Uh, again, I know last week we teased with some details, but it is June 10th, one to four o'clock. It's at the banks, guys. It is at the, we have the entire banks from Jefferson social all the way down to, uh, the Holy grail. We're working out the details now. Uh, looks like we're going to have some music, maybe that first hour, uh, then, uh, some really, really big names coming down and, and dozens dozen to 20 maybe even more former Bengal players we're working on the details now of about a possible interview session i'm sorry not interview but uh, autograph session session potentially so we're working out the details guys but stay tuned but i'm telling you save the date this is going to be a massive massive uh event down at the banks that entire banks june 10th will be orange and black and that evening uh is cincy beer fest down at tql stadium so I think right after our events over, we get packed up. We are heading over to TQL to support uh, Craig uh, at Cincy, Cincy Beer Fest uh, that night as well. So we're going to get Tom to hang out with us all night that night. We're getting a hotel downtown. We're getting hotels. We're staying out all night, Tom. You can't. You're, you're not going home. It's going to be a late night. Isn't the next day Father's Day? Oh, is it <laughs> June 10th? Oh. No, June 10th. Uh, I did wrong. <laughs> You scared know, me first, there. First, for I've me. Heard of, first, I've heard about that. We'll have to talk about uh, you know, talk it over with James when he gets back from <laughs> from Florida Pro Day. That you know is for him Florida Pro Week. We got to find out what's going on there. But nonetheless, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll check it out at the time. But yeah, big month coming at it again. Thanks to everybody for spending yeah. your Sunday evening with us. Thank you guys. Who day, everybody? See you next week. Who day? More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.